The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning. It's good to worship with you all this morning. And yes, uh, we don't have a guest preacher. It's just me, Joel. (laughs) A few pounds lighter, a little bit colder, but it's me. It's me. I I feel very blessed to to be here this morning with you all and praising God and looking at Christmas. Christmas is almost here. So exciting. I did want to say I I wasn't here at the beginning of the sermon uh, last week with uh, Dave preaching through uh, the angel coming to Mary, but... I wasn't sure if he mentioned how much we raised at the youth fundraiser. I just wanted to give a shout out to the youth and also the youth leaders that helped out. We raised over $1,000 for international missions, which is really sweet. Really sweet. And thank you to everyone who donated. Um, And uh, yes, even though we didn't reach the $2,000 mark, I still shaved so that uh, you could bless all of you, right? Just like Dave said, get that nasty beard off my face. So, uh, but anyways, I just want to say how proud I am, though, of the youth for putting that together and stepping up uh, to the plate and leading uh, and giving um, of their time and their energy. I'm just really proud of them. Well, this morning, uh, you know, as I thought about this, I had a, a friend from back in the day, a long time ago. He actually had a birthday on Christmas, right? And um, I don't know, do any of you have any relatives with birthdays around Christmas time or on Christmas? Yeah, Max, a couple of you guys. Yeah, that's right. So, so that's kind of an odd thing, right? You know, you're giving Christmas presents, birthday presents at the same time. Well, I saw something funny going around on Facebook. It's kind of a joke with the, uh, the wise men as they came to visit Jesus, and they're presenting Jesus with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And in the little picture, it has one of the wise men looking to Mary and Joseph saying, now this is for Christmas and his birthday, right? <laughs> right. So it's like you know, it's the same thing, right? But anyways, yeah, it, it was just it was just funny. I, I was, couldn't imagine having my birthday on Christmas, but of course it's a very special time in Jesus' birthday, and uh, Christmas is the exact same day. What we're looking forward to and what we're uh, here this morning looking at in Scripture. Well, we're going to go ahead and get going with our Good News of Great Joy Advent series. This is our third week uh, in this. In this study, and let's pray before we get in, and then we'll dive into our Christmas story. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the Christmas message. Thank you for the joy that it is. Thank you for this light that's come into the world through the baby Jesus. That we look at him and we see the, the newness of life that is coming for us. We see the, the hope that he brings, that this world is not the end that what we experience here, trials and afflictions and pain and death and sorrow and heartache, that these things are not all that will be. And that all the, the happiness that this life affords will be nothing in comparison to what you have for us in eternity with you. We love you and praise you. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're going to follow up from a couple weeks ago. We're, we're traveling through Luke chapter 1, and last week Dave uh, preached on the angel of the Lord coming to Mary, announcing that 
she would give birth to Jesus, the Lord and Savior, that his, uh, his government, or at least his, his rulership, his, his power would be unceasing. It would be uh, unstoppable. And before Mary had her announcement from the angel Gabriel, we had Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? And the angel coming to Zechariah in the temple telling Zechariah that he and his wife would also have a child, and his name would be John the Baptizer. But Elizabeth, right, and Zechariah, or excuse me, Zechariah particularly, he, he had a different response than Mary, right? If we remember from a couple weeks ago, he doubted the angel of the Lord. Because he doubted, he became mute, or he was mute. And the angel said he would remain in silence until the baby John was born. But Elizabeth had a different response. She was so overjoyed when she conceived in her old age that she hid herself for, from, uh, uh, from the public for five months. She didn't go out into public. She was so joyful. God had taken away her public shame, which this shame was really undeserved. It was not something under her control, but it was shame which she felt from her society. And in Elizabeth's story in the first chapter of Luke, God shows us a, a humble woman so elated that God had blessed her with a child that she couldn't believe it. And like I said last week, Dave preached the story of the angel visiting to Mary, and we're going to go into the next section of Scripture, starting in verse 39. And this is a visit that Mary and Elizabeth have shortly after the angel appears to Mary and tells her that she will conceive and give birth to, to a son, our Savior. So let's look at verse 39, Luke chapter 1. It says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is going to be our first passage this morning. So Mary and Elizabeth were cousins, and they were a blessed family. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the baptizer, the one preparing the way for Jesus. And Mary desired, after her angelic visit, to go visit her cousin and see the proof which the angel of the Lord provided to her in verse 36 of chapter 1. So when Mary was visited, she did ask the question, how will I know this to be true? And one of the things that the angel says in verse 36 is, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So Mary responding to this confirmation wants to go visit Elizabeth naturally. So she went and upon entering the house, she called out to Elizabeth. I think of those Christmas greetings I loved going to my grandparents' house uh, down in Derby, Kansas. It's just south of Wichita around this time. When I was younger, I'd run through the front door, and there was always a, a warm smile for my grandma Reed. 
greeting me. She'd give me a big hug and a kiss. There always was Fruity Pebbles there the next morning. You know, there's all these things that she had prepared and planned, but you know, it's just like, think of the, the warm greetings that you just, you look forward to, right? I, I kind of pictured this with Mary and Elizabeth as cousins, that they loved each other and they, upon seeing one another, had huge smiles and they were so happy to see one another. And something wonderful happened in this moment, not only in just the greeting of these two women, but, but something designed by God. The boy John, in Elizabeth's womb, leaps with joy. But this wasn't a usual or typical movement of the child in the womb. But John's jump was brought on by his closeness to Jesus in Mary's womb. John, you see, he started preparing the way well before he was even out of his mother's womb. The miracle of God's grace through Jesus, it's starting, right? And John knows it. And it's exciting. It's here. And what does John remind us of when he encounters Jesus? The joy that comes with Christ. That joy comes to those who meet Jesus. Pure joy. Uncontrollable, unhinged joy. And you can kind of feel this prophetic design that, that God has in this moment when John leaps in Elizabeth's womb And why is it that John is so filled with joy? Well, it's because over 41 generations and 1,800 years, the anticipation and the promise of the Savior who would come into the world was finally being fulfilled. That's a long time to wait. 41 generations and 1,800 years. This anticipation was great. And we see it in John as he reacts to Jesus coming into his presence. God is here. He's with us and he's here to save us. John is preparing the way. And we will be set free from our sins. We will be washed clean in his blood and given true life this Christmas through his resurrection. But this proximity to Jesus, it was overwhelming to John. It was something that he couldn't control. He he jumped in his mother's wombs. He was so excited. So our point number one this morning is that Jesus brings joy. Jesus brings joy. So I have a couple verses from Jesus himself. And really, I I just want to rest in this for a second. It's John 15, 11 and John 16, 22. Because I think there's a lot of... um, there's a lot of depth to this, really. These verses, John 15, 11 says, I have spoken to you, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, his followers. I have spoken to you. I have lived among you. I have taught you. I have, and I will die for you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And then John 16, 22, he goes on to say, no one, will take your joy from you. This is the joy we talk about during the Christmas season. And from a world's perspective, Christmas joy can only be found with enough enthusiasm, enough money, maybe a little bit of kindness, and enough family around during Christmas time. These are what Christmas joy is about, right? From our world's perspective. But 
These things are not bad at all. But in each way, I can picture myself or others who, have, who may never have one of these things the rest of their time that they live, or maybe they've never had one of these things. A loved one who is gone, a, a great amount of wealth, kind people around them, or, or just family around them during the holidays. But if I can extend the quote from a beloved Christmas grouch, the Grinch, maybe Christmas means a little bit more. It means so much more, in fact, than presents, good cheer, food, and family. It's joy to the world. Our Savior is born. This is what Christmas is all about. Joy is not buyable. It's not makeable. It's not conjurable through any work of man. Nor is it a physical place to travel to today or a tree to cut down, which I love doing this here, or lights to hang up or presents to wrap. But true joy this Christmas season is enduring soul-satisfying trust in God's plan of redemption through Jesus. And Elizabeth, in the story, she says it better in verse 45. Elizabeth says this when Mary comes to her, and they're both in amazement at what God is doing through their life and their, the plan that he has for them to bring Jesus into the world. Elizabeth says this, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is the one who believes these things that God has told us. Joyful we will be if we trust what God has told us about Christmas, the true meaning of it. Jesus come to save us from our sins. See, Mary and Elizabeth trusted God in the plan that he had for their redemption. And I'm sure there were many times of uncertainty and disbelief and hardship for both women in each different circumstance, but they chose to trust in God and remain joyful because of God's faithfulness to them. So maybe Christmas has never really been joyful for you. Maybe it's just another holiday. Maybe, maybe we've become too comfortable sometimes with the world's interpretation of Christmas and we find ourselves lacking in true joy centered on Christ this Christmas. Well, I want to encourage you this morning with a quote from one of Dave and I's favorite teachers, John Piper. He says this, kind of, if we're lacking in Christmas joy, we might be finding it in the wrong things. But this is John Piper's take on this. He says, he, God, may be doing it for you in this Advent season, graciously and tenderly frustrating you with life that is not centered on Christ and filling you with longings and desires that can't find their satisfaction in what this world offers, but only in the God-man Jesus. What a Christmas gift that might be. Let all your frustrations with this world throw you onto the word of God, it will become sweet, like walking into paradise. It's hard for me too. I, I love Christmas. I love hanging up lights. I love all the things that come with Christmas. But if Christ is not at the center, they all fall short. And Christmas, the lights, they go away after a few weeks. 
but Christ remains. Our relationship with Jesus remains. The love that God has for us remains, and it will remain with us for eternity. So just like Mary and Elizabeth, let's find true joy this Christmas where it actually is. In the baby who was born, that man no more shall die, born to raise the sons of earth and born to give a second birth. So we're going to jump ahead just a little bit in the story. We're going to go to verse 57. We're going to jump ahead to John's birth, the birth of John the Baptist. So in verse 57, continuing on, it says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, because he was still mute and in silence, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard, heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So Elizabeth's time to have John came. She had her son, and this was such a well-known pregnancy among her neighbors and relatives that they all rejoiced with her when John was actually born. You can only imagine that everyone was relieved when Elizabeth made it through the pregnancy, right? And she gave birth to John, and she was still alive because she was very advanced in years. And I'm sure that everyone was very happy she made it through her labor and John was born. And on the eighth day, when the child was to be circumcised, according to Jewish tradition, Zechariah, still mute, unable to speak, the boy was about to be called Zechariah. By the people mostly. The people around Zechariah and Elizabeth. They assumed that his name would be a family name, something that came from their line of descendants. Until Elizabeth reinforced her devotion to the Lord and to his plan, she said, no, his name will be John, because that's what the angel of the Lord told her. But the people were confused by her lack of conformity to their cultural expectations. And so they turned to Zechariah, and he confirmed with his wife's devotion to the Lord's plan. He said, his name is John. And the people wondered at this, confused and in doubtful speculation as to the behavior of the elderly couple, now new parents. But then something wonderful happened. At this moment that Zechariah placed his faith and his trust publicly in God's plan for him, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And like the blind man who was healed by Jesus, who went around joyfully proclaiming his praise, Zechariah breaks out into his own praise and blessings of God. I'm sure most of your families have a uh, 
favorite Christmas movie. Uh, we have a, tr- a Christmas tradition at the Reed House uh, when I was little to go to bed uh, on Christmas Eve, really falling asleep to It's a Wonderful Life. Probably hands out my favorite Christmas movie. I probably never actually saw the end of It's a Wonderful Life until probably the 15th viewing or so because we all fell asleep, like within the 30, 30 minutes of it being played, right? It's a great movie, by the way, you know, but... You know, there, there's that moment that George Bailey, at the end, he, he steps into the gratitude that's kind of the pinnacle of the film, right? This, this joy that he sees for his life that he has been given, even in its difficulties, and he sees the joy of the woman he's married to, the, the kids that he's been blessed with, the community he's been around, and he goes around screaming in the streets, right? You know, he says... You know, uh, thank you, right, for Mr. Potter. Thank you for everything, right? Even that old curmudgeon character, the bank CEO, Mr. Potter, right? He even has gratitude for Mr. Potter in his, in his life. And he goes around just screaming at the town, right? I kind of picture this is Zechariah's kind of praise. So when his, his tongue is loosed, it's, he goes around to everyone, his neighbors, the people that are there praising God, saying God is good, God is great, right? This is joy for Zechariah. He sees God's plan, his design, that that God is actively going to save the people and save him and his family. And he goes around praising everywhere. I picture Zechariah praising God in such a way, like George Bailey did, and, and it's a wonderful life. In the text, it says that fear came on all the people, But this fear is not our typical meaning of the word. This fear is more like an awe-filled wonder in respect for God's greatness and power. The people knew that God had worked a miracle and that he had specific plans for his family. And they actually saw those plans being carried out. And the people wondered at this. They wondered at Zechariah and Elizabeth and the baby John, and they could feel the power of God through them, and and rightfully so, they they feared God. They wondered at his power, at his plan. Well, news of John's birth and the miracles that had taken place in the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth, they spread like a winter cold, and the region was buzzing with speculations of what God would do with the life of John the baptizer. People were asking questions and, and talking about it. What was coming next in God's plan for the world? It leads us into point number two, and this is our final point for the day. It's celebrate God's mercy with everyone. Elizabeth and Zechariah, when they had John, they had No problem rejoicing with others, inviting their neighbors in, their relatives, and everyone they could tell. And Zechariah, in essence, goes around losing his mind in praise with the people around him because of God's goodness to him. And they loved celebrating God with others. This Christmas, let's celebrate God's mercy through Jesus with others. Don't let Christmas go by and miss the chance to bring people into worshiping Christ. 
You know, it's, it's fun having a house, owning a home. There are people that have to come to it, and they fix things in the house, right? And uh, their, you know, bosses force them to come to my house, right, pretty much. And uh, they have to talk to me, and they pretty much have to be interested in what I say. And if you can get where I'm going with this, I usually try to share Jesus with them, right? It's like, you know, it's like, it's great. They come into your house. So there was this guy a couple, uh, or last week, came to my house, and um, he was doing something with the... Uh, Oh, the uh, um, sprinkler system that we inherited when we bought the house. And anyways, we were talking, and his name was Nick. And Nick just had no hope for the world. He had no hope for his own actions. He, he was very much in a darker place and didn't really want to have anything to do with the world. And to some extent, I, I understood that. Our world is upside down in a lot of ways, but, but the good news of great joy is that we don't have to stay in sin and chaos. The good news of great joy is that Jesus came to turn our lives around so that we might become righteous in God's sight, and that out of this joy and this gratitude, we can live lives for his glory, that we don't have to be worried about our own sin and our relationship between God and what God thinks of us, that, that his wrath was satisfied on the cross. But Nick was a sweet man and very open to talking about spiritual things. And it just reminded me that our mission this Christmas is to share this good news. Because as Nick reminded me, people need to hear it. Our world is lost. A lot of them think that Christmas is cutting down a tree and stringing up lights only. They don't know Jesus. We are the sent ones. That's what Christ calls us, the church. And if we don't share the true joy of Christmas, then maybe they won't hear it at all. But this is encouraging, this Christmas. Look at what Zechariah prophesies about his own son. This is what I want to encourage you with, is that we're not sharing some set of rules and a system, right, that people need to buy into or that they need to live up to the calling of God. But this is Zechariah's prophecy about his own son. And it flows into our life and our mission. He says this, Zechariah about John the baptizer, he says, and you child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord, prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is what we get to share with the world. This is good news of great joy. There's salvation in Christ. There's salvation in this baby that's born on Christmas morning because of the tender mercy of our God. That's what we get to share with people this Christmas. They have a tender, loving, heavenly Father who sent his Son in humility to die on a cross for our sins. This is the sweet message that we get to share. So I wanted to 
in this morning with a couple charges, three charges. First is to, as we think about celebrating God's graciousness to us this Christmas, the first one is to take care of your family, to take care of your family. What I mean by that is uh, if you have young ones, if you have relatives coming in town, if you have people who are a part of your family that don't know Jesus, look at them first. And how can you love them to Jesus this Christmas? I remember being mm, maybe six years old or five at the time, and uh, my parents did a great job of this. And they, uh, I got in a car, and we went to uh, another friend's house, and we all gathered around in the living room, and we started singing Happy Birthday. I was very confused because I, I was like, where's the birthday boy or girl, right? Like, what, what's going on, right? But we were at a happy birthday Jesus party, right? I didn't, it didn't connect when I was six years old, and I probably realized it years later that that's what we were doing celebrating, right? But, but the creativity of having a birthday party for Jesus with your, with your children, that's a wonderful idea. It teaches them, again, the, this, this point of Christmas, Right? But take care of your family. We have Advent readings, and I'm going to um, share with you a couple things, actually. There's a John Piper Advent reading that's right out here on the bench, just to the left as you go out. Joy to the world. Grab one of these. Read it personally. Read it with your spouse. Read it with your kids. There's also a, a Lee Strobel booklet, and these are both free, by the way. It's, it's The Case for Christmas. I've read The Case for Christ. It's very wonderfully done, and um, it's persuasive in its, um, in its beauty and portrayal of Christ. Take a couple of those things. Take them home with you. I know a lot of us had uh, the Advent readings uh, that we took home with our family. Be diligent. Be faithful with those things. Number two, invite three people to come to church next week. These might be new people. These might be family. These might be relatives. But I would, I would encourage you, next week Dave's going to preach through the Christmas story, it is the pinnacle of the Christmas season, and it's going to be a great message. And remember, there may be people on your block, there may be neighbors who think Christmas is all about the lights, but we're here to remind them that it's about God's tender, loving mercy through Christ. So invite three people to come to church next week, and then be open anytime for whatever God has. And I mean that because in the... Uh, Hubbub and the shopping, we spend a lot of time out. We spend a lot of time going around and uh, shopping and uh, doing things around Christmas time, right? You never know what God has in store. It could be a Costco worker. Um, I had a conversation with one of uh, the ladies who did free samples, and she was having a, a really hard time with her marriage. And it took 10 to 15 minutes of just sitting with her and listening, right? But those things you can't plan. Those things are not something that you... Uh, can say, all right, I'm going to schedule out 30 minutes more at Costco, but be open to what the Spirit is calling us to do this Christmas season. I'm going to end this morning with a reading from the Joy to the World uh, Advent reading. John Piper says this, this is on the December 23rd reading. It says, Jesus purchased our reconciliation, our right standing with God, our, our forgiveness. He enabled us to receive 
the reconciliation and open the gift. And Jesus himself shines forth from the wrapping, the indescribable gift as God in the flesh and stirs up our exaltation of God. Look to Jesus this Christmas. Receive the reconciliation that he bought. Don't put it on the shelf unopened. And don't open it and then make it a means to all your other pleasures. Open it and enjoy the gift himself. Exalt in him. Make him your pleasure. Make him your treasure. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this morning, and God, thank you for your goodness to us, and God, we are grateful for Christmas. We are grateful for the joy that it is, this joy that we are saved from our sins, that you come to the world that's broken and in chaos and decay, and you mend us, that you put us back together through your death and your resurrection. God, we look at the wonder and the awe of Christmas, and God, I pray that we would see the message clearly that you love us that you've prepared the way for your son to come into the world to forgive us of our sins, that this is an awe-inspiring moment, and that it should propel us into our daily living where we get to share this joy with the whole world. We get to share the light of the world with those around us. Help us to do that this Christmas. Help us to look at Christ as true joy. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas.